All right, I'm Dan. Uh, uh, sorry, I forgot, <laughs> forgot what to say. <laughs> and you're listening to the Stage Fright Podcast. Today I'm talking with hypnobirthing therapist Catherine Graves. This podcast is aimed at creatives uh, in the creative business. <laughs> what is more and, creative than having a baby? And what, yeah, literally creating life. We talk about working with Russell Brand. And I got a message from the office saying, Russell Brand wants your contact details. So I messaged back and said, it's a scam. <laughs> yeah. And how that came about. Harry Kane, his wife, had a baby using hypnobirthing. We talk about running your own business. I think anybody who has a business, as it grows, does less and less of what they're good at and more and more of running the business and writing what was it like writing a book awful was it yes <laughs> <laughs> and the difficulties that came along with that i was allowed to use the word father and by the time i rewrote it i was getting abusive messages for using the word father i also end this episode a little bit different to other episodes in the fact that i get Catherine to read out a relaxation which will help anyone with anxiety allow your eyelids to close the muscles of your eyes to soften. You're listening to the Stage Fright podcast. Here's Catherine Graves. Right, welcome to the welcome to my podcast. It is a great delight to be here. <laughs> Good, no, because we've known each other for long enough. I know it's been a while, isn't it? Well, it's been like eight years now, maybe eight. I think so, at least probably. So, mm. I guess first question for everyone, everyone listening: Who are you, and what do you do? Uh, my name is Catherine Graves. And I have set up a company, a business, an organisation called KG for Catherine Graves, hypnobirthing. And I say KG hypnobirthing because there are loads of hypnobirthing organisations and yeah. they vary in quality. Yeah. We feel we're the gold standard. Yeah. So it's really important to say KG hypnobirthing is what we do. Yeah. And but that's your tag. That's any hashtag online. If you search KG hypnobirthing, yes. it will come up with you. And I have... Um, we call ourselves the home of hypnobirthing. Yeah, great. So we put at the bottom of everything, which nice. is great. How long have you been doing it? 15 years. 15 years. And then it came to a point that I needed to record some audios. Yeah. In those days it was CDs. Yeah. And somebody who works for me said, I know a man who'll do that. Um, <laughs> and here <laughs> it, I am. It's Dan Parkinson. <laughs> <laughs> great. So I guess uh, for anyone listening as well, what is hypnobirthing? It is a way of changing your mindset when you give birth because most people are frightened yeah. and you hear horror stories and there's loads of medicalization and you get all tense and in your own state, your body doesn't work properly, you get pain and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And it is not a thing, matter of mind over matter. It's a woman's body is designed, and people find it's awfully hard to believe when I say it, but it's designed to give birth efficiently and comfortably. And it only doesn't work that way when we get in the way and stop it working that mm. way. And our whole of our society, the whole of our maternity services are designed to stop a woman having a straightforward, comfortable birth. Okay. So I can't teach a woman anything because she's already created with that knowledge and that capacity, what I can help her do is get out of the way and let it work in, in the way it's designed to. So you can do that via things that they can practice, relaxations, that sort of thing. Absolutely. It's probably the same with singing. Your voice doesn't work properly when you're tense and yeah. you have to learn to relax, I would imagine. In fact, I think it's the same with almost anything. Look at a premiership footballer. Probably the week before a big game, he's kicked 
for gold a thousand times and it's always gone into the top corner. Mm-hmm. Penalty shootout yeah. at the end of an important match, it just goes wide. Yeah. Why? Because he's a little bit tense. And it's the same, the same thing they're doing, yes. running up, kicking a ball into a goal and they've done it a thousand yes. times. It's what but going when you've got on... 20,000 people <laughs> around you. It's what going, <laughs> is going on in your mind that's important. Yeah. And if you're doing anything important like that, you practice, you plan it very carefully, you know, your technique, your what boots you're wearing or whatever, mm. and you practice like mad. And yet people go into birth, giving birth, the most important event of their baby's life and probably one of the most important of theirs, saying, I'd love to have a natural birth, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. You know, you, however gifted as a runner, you wouldn't wander into the Olympic Stadium and say, I'd like to get a gold medal, but let's see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I often compare their baby to that gold medal, and you need to plan and you need to practice. So that's what we do. We train couples, usually couples, sometimes just mums, and we have trained thousands of other teachers, including midwives, all over the world. And do you do that in person? Well, we do it on Zoom. Oh, cool. Mostly. Yeah. Because, of course, in lockdown, everything went on Zoom. Yeah. And when lockdown was over, we weren't quite sure what people would like. And mostly we've found that if somebody's training as a teacher, it's a big career change, but it's not such a personal thing. And they're very happy to do it on Zoom. Yeah. And they can come from all over the world and they don't have to travel. Whereas if they're having a baby, it is a very personal thing. Yeah. And they prefer to come in general, face to face in a little group meet other couples and train in person. Nice. So the difference for you then, teaching in person and teaching over Zoom, what are the sort of differences that you encounter? Well, the material is exactly the same. Yeah. It makes no difference at all. Hopefully on Zoom, we also have a conversation and ask questions and that sort of thing. I think possibly what you miss out is having a chat over coffee in the break. Yeah. (laughs) That's when an awful lot of important stuff happens. This podcast is is kind of aimed at creatives, obviously, in the in the creative business. <laughs> what is more and, creative than having a baby? And what, yeah, <laughs> literally creating life. <laughs> um, so you write all your own scripts, don't you? I do. So yes. I remember the first time I recorded you, you know, seventeen hundred years ago, or whenever, whenever it was, <laughs> and um, you came with Archie. Yes, he, re- he has written some, quite a lot of the scripts. Yeah, he's, he was your writing I partner at the time. I have frequently modified them a little bit. Yeah. Because though he's a brilliant hypnotherapist, he doesn't have quite the day-to-day knowledge of birth that I oh, do. Oh, okay. So I guess because it's changing all the time. I guess the Yes, there's more evidence, more research that comes out. Um, and you have to keep on top of that. You bet. Yeah. I mean, the first time I wrote my book, the hypnobirthing book, I think it was around for at least five years, possibly seven. And it was very dated. Really? For example, when I first wrote it, I was allowed to use the word father. Oh, okay. And by the time I rewrote it or updated it, I was getting abusive messages for using the word father. Oh, wow. From same-sex couples. I guess you're same-sex couples, yeah. And there are certainly more same-sex couples. And maybe it's all that movement has become more vociferous. I don't know. Hmm. If I have a group of people, I will adapt my language to who's ever sitting in front of me. Yeah. 
So if I have heterosexual couples, I'll happily use the word father. If I don't, I'll always say partner. Yeah. You just, I mean, it's, <laughs> it doesn't seem to me to be a great issue. It's just normal courtesy. Yeah. But for people that you're with, you like them to feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's, an, it's really a non-issue. So with, with that recording, the first one I, I did for you. <laughs> that was what, funny. What was quite, <laughs> what was quite um, a little bit liberating about that was I asked you, okay, so we'll do a couple of takes and then we'll kind of pick the best ones and cut out all the ums and ahs. And you said, no, no, leave, leave all that in because people can relate to that more. That's true. Because it's more human. I don't remember I saying like, that. Do you know, okay. Well, I'm going to edit this then. So I, I, I said that. <laughs> I said that. I'm sure I did. But that's a, that's a really nice way of looking at it. Because if you're listening to a relaxation, you don't want it to sound like you're listening to a robot. Because we're going, that, oh, you know, AI well, is going to go that way anyway. We could do that now, couldn't we? we could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, what we'll do at the end, actually, because I normally ask people questions at the end. But what we'll do is, if, if you're up for it, we'll get you to do a affirmation relaxation at Something the end like of this that, podcast. Yes. Yeah, if, you, if you're up to do that, great. But um, it was quite funny, really, because I was looking for someone to do some recording for me. I didn't know anybody. I always thought that, probably rightly, that sound recording studios are massively expensive yeah. things to hire. And somebody said, well, there's Dan. Um, he's in Andover. He has a small studio. Yeah. And I call you up. And there you are, who's a drummer, a guitarist, <laughs> works with rock bands, singers. And I casually call you up and say, would you do a hit and a birthing order? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you must have almost fallen off your I chair. There was, there was one night when, I can't remember what I did, I had a rehearsal with one band. And then I had a gig with a heavy metal band. And then the <laughs> next morning I was recording you. And I told you about this and you were like, oh, this is quite a step step back and I was like no this is what I need <laughs> I just need to listen to your voice and just sort of drift yeah, that was and then of course you did all our audios which was wonderful because yeah. there are quite a lot of them yeah and then it came to a point um oh I wanted to put the course that we teach to couples as an online course so I needed to find somebody who would do a video so yeah, I thought well yeah, yeah. Dan does audio he'll probably know somebody so I called you up and said can you put me on to somebody who'll do video? And you say, well, I can do that, which yeah. is even better. And because, it keeps it all in, in the same And it's wonderful place. because by now, Dan is one of the country's experts on hypnobirthing. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing he doesn't know about hypnobirthing. If there's something I don't know, it ain't worth knowing about hypnobirthing. I Quite. could be a midwife. I could definitely be a midwife. <laughs> well, you could certainly um, give a woman confidence and make her feel calm. My sister's pregnant at the minute. Oh, and, well, I'll um, give you one for books and, uh, to give to her. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music for advert-free, higher quality and early access to the Stage Fright podcast. So when you started the business, because mm -hmm. you don't strike me as a kind of person that would kind of get anxious at all. When you started the business, was it quite overwhelming? Not really, because... I have four children, and as children rather tend to do, they all grew up and left home. Okay. So I had no track record, no CV, no career, and I didn't really want to stack shelves in a supermarket. Mm. And I tried to get various jobs, mainly in organisations who I thought might look at a person rather than a bit of paper. Yeah. And I got turned down by the Prince's Trust. I went for a job as a manager of a branch of Relate, and that was a hilarious experience, and I got turned down by then. Every caricature in the book 
what was thrown at me. They didn't think I was tough enough to control staff and things. Oh, really? Which my children thought was hilariously funny. <laughs> you know, I um, can happily go onto a building site and look at the plans and see what needs to be done next. And it was obviously I wasn't going to get a job of any sort that I wanted to do. So then you have to do something for yourself. Yeah. And I think that's a situation that maybe a lot of women in that situation find themselves in. And I tried various things and I think that a great many women will turn to complementary therapies of some sort or another mm-hmm. because they're absolutely amazing. And through a series of apparent coincidences, except I don't really believe in coincidence, I came to hypnobirthing. You must have been interested in it before. I mean, you, you're a mother of four, so you've got the qualifications. <laughs> There's your the qualifications, qualifications right there. Yes. <laughs> well, the odd progression was I trained as a Bayes teacher, which is the therap- complementary therapy for eyesight. Okay. And the reason I did that was because there was a big feature in the Sunday Times about it one day. And the extraordinary thing about that is that I never take a paper. Somebody else had brought that paper into my cottage. The oh. only time I think I had a Sunday Times in my cottage was the only time there was a feature on the Bates Method. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so I looked at it and I thought, oh, I like that. So I called up the chap who wrote it and said, I want to be a Bates teacher. So he said, well, shouldn't you do a bit of work on your own eyesight first? So I did, and I trained as a Bates teacher. And then I went to a conference he was running, and at it was a very experienced Bates teacher who also did kinesiology. And he said he'd done some work on ME. And my my sister had ME. Anyway, she was permanently tired and just couldn't really function. So I gave her his details, and she called me back, and she said, I called that man. He was very expensive. So I thought, all right, okay, I tried. And then she called me back a few weeks later and said, I called that man. Oh, oh my goodness, what have I done wrong now? And she said, I went to see him today. He was wonderful. Oh, wow. And that was kinesiology, and it was the only thing that solved her problem. So I thought, I better train in this. It sounds interesting. So I trained in that. And then the branch of kinesiology I trained in was apparently modelled on Milton Erickson, who is the father of modern hypnotherapy. Okay. So I thought, that sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) There's just so much interesting stuff around. And as a hypnotherapist, you have to do a little bit of extra training each year to maintain your registration. Yeah. And when I really couldn't think of what to do next, a colleague said, well, why don't you go to this hypnobirthing course? So I did, and I thought it was absolutely amazing, and I was blown away by it. And that was over 15 years ago, and it's taken over my life. Wow. And then I was chucked out by the lady who set up that particular training for the heinous offence of teaching her course in two full days instead of four evenings. Oh, really? So then (laughs) I would have been in breach of copyright if I'd used her material. So I had to write my own because I'm not going to do it illegally. And I needed to write my own book, mainly because I didn't want to be in breach of the copyright, partly because it sort of went against the grain, paying somebody for a book for the people I was teaching when she just chucked me out and tried to yeah. destroy me. So I wrote my own. <laughs> and that's oh, how it all came. I mean, a whole set of total apparent coincidences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how your life works? Yeah, I think so. My dad bought me a guitar when I was about 14. And here I am now. Yes. In a recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really, very, very beautiful. It? It's incredible how you've set this up and the work you've done. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? Yesterday I, I had, because I've been setting up people's guitars, like fixing people's guitars lately, and I had four guitars down here. All nice guitars. And I thought, 
I am quite lucky to be sat here and I get to play all these lovely guitars, work <laughs> on them, send them out, get another batch in and then do the same thing. You, you nice. must be known well beyond Andover, aren't you? I quite like the, um, because I'm a session musician, I quite like the fact that no one knows who I am, but I get to go and play all these shows and then uh-huh. just get to go home. <laughs> it's quite nice not having to do any of the other stuff that bands normally have to do. I just kind of sit at the back and make everyone look good and then I can just drift off back here and then work <laughs> it's quite nice well you've like certainly that. made my audios good and my videos oh, good, good. No, I'm, I'm glad the studio is a massive mess at the minute it's just been quite busy and i found that when i started this business you quickly realize how much work you need to put in oh, to yes. your own business and no one tells you what to do it's not like they teach you this in school it's not like they teach you oh yeah when you start your own business you need to pay this much tax you need to sort out business rates you need to get premises you need to do this this you just kind of learn as you go yes are you quite good with with kind of delegating jobs like that are you quite good at releasing some of the control a little bit i suppose you have to i mean i have a colleague who does some of the trainings for me mm-hmm. i love to do more but it's time-consuming i think anybody who has a business as it grows does less and less of what they're good at and more and more of running the business yeah which i've heard people is wonderful furniture maker so i don't make any furniture now i employ people who do it (laughs) i go out and sell it to people yeah and especially in this day and age with social media where it's very important to have a social media following you're posting you're on there three times a day Doing videos? Yes, I suppose that's the same for anybody. It's the same for a band uh, or or whatever. Do you kind of incorporate that as part of your day? Do you kind of... Oh, you bet. I started to do it because somebody who I employ part-time did an occasional post on Instagram for me. And she was going on a holiday. And I knew very little about it, except that it was supposed to be regular and frequent. And if somebody suddenly went off on holiday seemed to me this was not regular or frequent. Yeah. And therefore, the only person who could do it was me. So I, we worked from home, but I called her up and she said, oh, we'll go on Zoom and I'll show you. And I said, no, I'm going to come and sit at your table with my phone and you're going to say, you press this first, yeah. this second, I will make notes and then I can post reels while you're away. And it was remarkably successful. Yeah. And I do three a day. First thing in the morning, lunchtime, and probably early evening. Very occasionally I miss one. But they're only shorts, you know, half a minute to a minute. Mm. Certainly not more than a minute. I do them every single day. And I've spoken to people who know about this stuff, saying, what should I do to improve this? And they said, no, you're doing fine. The algorithm like people who do things regularly and frequently. Yeah. And basically for couples, I can happily sit there and talk for 12 hours, as I do, teaching a course. And so that divides into a great many half minutes. That's what I was going to say. You must run out of content, but... There's always something. Or somebody sends you an interesting testimonial or a little bit of new research comes out or there's something on the news, as well as what I put in the course. And people absolutely love it. I've never managed to work out what they like better than other things. Obviously, (laughs) they like things that refer to them. If I go on Instagram and put a post about the courses that I teach, they're interested in specific subjects to do with birth. And there was one that, um, much to my amazement, I got nearly half a million views. Wow. Which was massive. Yeah. But it has built up. 
I'm pretty sure I know what to put up to get me over the 10,000 mark. And that's the, that's but the thing. But I can't do that all the time. It get awfully boring. No, you can't. And you can't keep, mentally, you can't keep up with all that kind of stuff. You need to, no. again, and it's, and it's just learning as you go. The more videos you put up, the more you realise, oh, actually, if I do this, this and this next time, oh, yeah, there, that seems to have worked better. And when I started, I thought, maybe I ought to start with a strap line to, to get known. And of course, you don't. You start with something striking. Yeah. Like... Has anybody said this to you about your birth yeah. or, or something like that? Would you that? like a pain-free birth? And then people are like, oh, how does that work? <laughs> something like that, <laughs> yeah, yes. something like that. Just um, a, little, a little quote. But it must be the same with a band if you just use a phrase or two of your music and then fade out to talking about yeah, it. Yeah, you could have that. The difference is with a band, you're kind of showing off. As a musician, you're showing off. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> what you're doing, people are interested in because it benefits them. Yeah, they're not interested in me, not one iota. Nobody's interested in somebody else. And if I can give yeah. them something that will help what's happening to them, which of course I can, because that's what we do all the time. Have you had any horror stories of teaching people and they've not really understood what they're getting themselves into? Um, I'm sure I have, but there are so few that I can't really remember them. Oh, we had... It was, it was ridiculous. We had somebody who did the teacher training and I think she missed a smaller part of it because the, the internet wasn't working and okay. got vociferous complaints about the whole course. You see, it just depends on the person. Mm. If they do what I say, they're going to have a wonderful birth experience. But most people, I think, will come to the course and it is two full days, 12 hours, and probably they'll sit there thinking, oh, I like that. Oh, I don't like the other. And some of the things I say, I mean, most people have a traumatic and painful birth. There is no doubt, I think. Mm. And therefore, if you don't want a traumatic and painful birth, you have to do something different. Mm. But you spent your whole life growing up in a society that A, tells you birth is painful, and B, telling you things like giving birth at home is, is dangerous, you're much safer in hospital. Not true. All the evidence is the other way around. Mm. But to get somebody to change their actions for something as important as having a baby, and they won't do anything, obviously and quite rightly, to risk their baby. Yeah. So you give them evidence, which is more than maternity services do quite frequently. You give them facts, but then somebody plays on their fear. Mm. And it's very, very difficult. And I guess get, every, every film that has a birth in it is... <laughs> Exactly. Somebody Blood screaming and, and writhing around in yeah. agony. Yes. I met a little two-year-old girl recently and she said, Mum is going to have a baby and it's going to hurt. Now, what's she going to be like by the time she's 20 or 30? It yeah. is so deeply in having her own baby, incredibly deeply ingrained. Yeah, and that's what the that whole forever. of our society thinks. And it doesn't have to be that way. We're not made that way. But here's me sitting there and I bet everybody who's listening to this is thinking, don't be daft. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about my Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you will get early ad-free versions of the podcast in a higher quality, as well as a load of behind-the-scenes photos and audio that I've been told to say are NSFW? Which I don't know what it means, but people have it on their OnlyFans accounts. Apparently, I, I, I don't know, I've been, I've been told that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. 
You can also get the app on your phone so you can listen to my voice wherever you may be. My Patreon has a pay-what-you-can scheme where all tiers are the same. The aim of this is to have more Patreons paying the smaller fee a month and not pricing people out, which in turn will pay for the show and help it run and run until the end of time. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to the show. Do you find there's a bit of resistance when you go into hospitals or if one of your customers says, oh, I've been doing hypnobirthing, so I'd rather the midwife come in when I need her or... Or whatever, whatever, yes. Not not lie flat on my back in bed and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, When it was new, it was, you know, people thought this is odd. Yeah. There were a small group of us teachers and we had a stand at the London Baby Show and we had the word hypnobirthing over the top of the stand And people looked at it and gave us a very wide berth. Hmm. We were obviously extremely odd. And then within about three years, people were seeing that same notice and saying, my sister, tell me about this. Can you tell me some more? Because if anybody, people who do it, they're evangelical about it. They go and tell all their friends who are pregnant, you must do this. Hmm. You can have the most amazing experience. And the midwives come because they see births like they have never seen before. And they will... Obviously, they want to do the best for the women in their care. Yeah. Most of them. Some of you know, you always get died in Woolwell School who think it's a load of rubbish. But most midwives genuinely want to do the best for women. And they see that and they want to find out how they, they can do the better for women. Yeah. In fact, um, after we've spoken today, I'm going up to the Lindo Wing, which is where all the royal babies are born, to teach the midwives there. Oh, wow. How to do hypnobirthing. Oh, great. Because... They reckon they're the best hospital yeah. and, you know, they are a top hospital and therefore they want to do the top hypnobirthing and we reckon we're the top hypnobirthing. <laughs> so the two go rather well together, actually. Yeah, nice. And we'll train their midwives and um, it will make a difference for women who give birth there. A massive difference. Great. Talking about midwives, midwives are frequently and have done actually for centuries broken the rules for the benefit of the women in their care. I think midwifery is a calling rather than a profession, actually. Oh, really? (laughs) Funnily enough, somebody mentioned the other day the story of the Israelites in ancient Egypt and Pharaoh told the Israelite midwives to murder all the baby boys at birth. Okay. And they wouldn't. So Pharaoh called in all the midwives and said, why aren't you murdering the baby boys? And they said, well, the Israeli women are so healthy that they give birth before we get there. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> and midwives are still doing that sort of thing today. Wow. There was a time when episiotomy, that is cutting the pelvic floor to make a bigger opening for the baby to come out, was absolutely standard in this country. And there were midwives who at the time, when told to do an episiotomy, would drop the episiotomy scissors. And then they weren't sterile. And then they couldn't use them. So by the time they'd gone out of a room and found some more scissors, it was too late and the baby's head was crowning. Oh, nice. And they're still doing things like that today because it's very, very, very difficult for a midwife to stick her head above the parapet. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. She could lose her profession. Yeah. Uh, She could be ridiculed, bullied, hauled up before the powers that be. It's a very, very dangerous thing to do. Hmm. So she has to be a little bit wily. What was the Mary Conk story? That was Mary Conk. She was was the one one of the ones who dropped the scissors. Great. (laughs) Great. 
And midwives are still doing that, not dropping scissors because they don't need to because it's no longer uh, an episiotomy yeah. isn't standard. But I won't tell you what they're doing now because it wouldn't be very kind, would it? Yeah, no, that's fine, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> what was it like writing a book? Awful. Was it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, how long did it take, roughly? Far longer than I expected. Are we talking years? Well, I sat in front of a screen and I couldn't think of a thing to write. Yeah. So I thought I'll sit in front of a piece of paper and I couldn't think of a thing to write. And there am I, every weekend more or less, teaching a 12-hour course with exactly what I need to put in a book. So I thought, well, since I'm plainly incapable of writing a book, I'll simply record the course and transcribe it. Okay. So that's what I did. <laughs> so right. you could say I've never written a book, even well, that, though it was extremely <laughs> successful. <laughs> yeah. I've never a book, you just write. Well, that, that's um, the Ricky Gervais advice is just write what you know. Well, yeah. And it's easy. Was it easy? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ricky Gervais can shut up then. <laughs> well, you know, when I've sat in front of you and just talked about something, the amount of editing you've had to do on a relatively short thing. And if it's going into a book and it's in writing and you can be picked up on every mm. word. You... <laughs> and then what about that first draft that you sent to the publishers? And they? Well, you see, I didn't know anything about writing books. I just knew I needed one. Again, so... you're learning as you go. So I wrote it. Yeah. I had it edited. I had it produced. So I didn't go to a publisher with an idea. Oh, okay. I went to a publisher with a completed book. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know what, how you do it. Wow. And a publisher who works in the field that I'm in, and he took the book and read it, gave it back to me and said, well, I think it's good, but not quite good enough. So okay. I thought, blow me, this is awfully boring. I'm not going to spend my life touting around publishers. I'll just publish it and put it on Amazon. Okay, yeah. And I met this same publisher who is a lovely chap and, you know, I know well about three months later, it might have been six months later. And I said, I've sold 3,000. And he said... I think I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I said, well, I don't want the hassle of publishing it. What can you do for me? And he said, I can't do nearly as well as you're doing for yourself. Oh, wow. So I've continued to publish it myself because everybody sells their books on Amazon. Yeah. That was the very first, not English because there was an American one, but UK English book. And since then, there's so many people have copied that there's stiffer competition. Mm. And at the moment, I train people all over the world and I have to translate into lots of languages. So yeah. I'm looking for the best software to translate. Well, I, I can't now, do that. <laughs> That's one thing I can't do. <laughs> you can't advise me on soft I translation can't, I software. Can't trans I can't translate. <laughs> now it's done, though, and it's all out. It's all available. Are you proud of the book? Yes, I think I am. Yeah, good. Because we've just had so many compliments about it. I do think that our course is the best. I do think the book is the best. What ours not the best our marketing isn't the best, okay. but we're working on it. Yeah. We'll get there. Well, um, I think last and you're time being I, enormously helpful on this I think, in social yeah. media. Yeah, I run Catherine's TikTok, which is it's really fun, actually, because people will ask me questions on it and I can answer. <laughs> I can go, I go <laughs> oh, yeah, we need, just, you just need to do this, this and this. Or if there's something I don't know, obviously, I can just, you're Fair a phone it. call away. It's, it's, yes. That's quite easy. There is so much more competition now than when I started. Most of the competition is people who are trained by me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's that like? Because that would be like me teaching someone how to set up guitars and then they go and mm. 
start their own guitar setup. Well, they company. could do, couldn't they? Well, they could, yeah, there's nothing stopping them. You can't stop them. I wouldn't have a franchise because, in the first place, you possibly have to find people work, and in the second place, you're then responsible for what they do. Yeah. And when it comes to birth, that's a big legal responsibility. Yeah. I mean, I can train them very, very well, but I don't know what happens once they've gone out of the training. Mm. So they go away and set up in competition. But I suppose that's how you. Anything that you train people in, almost. So you were uh, the best goalkeeper. Yes. And then you went and taught five goalkeepers. That's One of five them might turn up to be better than you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. That would probably happen if I taught someone to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just that they're far more. But we did have a head start. Mm-hmm. We are, I think, in maternity services, known as the best. Mm-hmm. And people come to us from all over the world. I, I do train teachers just twice a year in person. Normally it's on Zoom, but some people really, really want a, an in-person course. I'm doing one in October in London, and mm-hmm. I do one twice a year. Last one I did, a midwife came from China. Oh, wow. She had never been to Europe before. She wanted to do that course, Wow. which is amazing. That must be quite a proud moment for you, for someone that started... Um, By mistake. A hypnother- <laughs> <So that laughs> coincidentally, started a hypnotherapy company and they're getting people from all over the world doing your course. It's that must amazing. Be quite... It really is amazing. We get the most incredible accolades. Yeah. And you sort of think, me? Yeah. A little bit of imposter syndrome there. And I guess that goes back to if people are doing your course and kind of, you know, they might be stealing your material word for word and using it on their own course. Sorry. Occasionally, yes. Oh, I get. Oh, yeah, been I, done. I, I, bet, I, bet, I bet that happens. But the the thing about that is, you're always going to be on to the next thing. By the Hopefully. time they're doing your thing, yes. you're always on the next thing. So I guess it's a don't be bitter, be better sort, and we, sort of situation. We've had the most amazing. Another, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but Anna of Channel Digital, who does our website. Mm-hmm does a certain amount of SEO for us. And Harry Kane, the England football captain, his wife had a baby using hypnobirthing. So he posted on Twitter how proud he was of her not using drugs. Mm. And the poor man all hell broke loose. Really? And the women said, how dare you insult the the women who give birth? Poor chap. Yeah. And Anna, who does my SEO, went on and as if Harry Kane needs my protection. But she did. She posted that she was sure he hadn't meant that at all. And it isn't it was amazing what what his then girlfriend did. Yeah. And then he went on Twitter again. I think the first post was a spontaneous loving tweet from him. Yeah. And the second was probably his agent in a damage limitation exercise. Yeah. Saying, of course, every woman who gives birth is wonderful. Yeah. But um Russell Brand follows football. And he saw our tweet and his wife used hypnobirthing too. And he wanted to do a podcast about hypnobirthing in his Under the Skin series. Yeah. So he called my office and I was at the Royal Society of Midwives Conference in Bristol and I got a message from the office saying, Russell Brand wants your contact details. <laughs> so I messaged back and said, it's a scam. <laughs> yeah. He wants your contact details, your bank details, your PIN number. <laughs> So I came back and said, no, 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 no. Russell Brand wants your contact details. So I said, oh, all right then. Wow. (laughs) So we did this lovely podcast. And because they had used it themselves, he was genuinely interested. Whereas sometimes you will get a journalist who just wants to catch you out or they've got a... Yeah. 
They've yeah. got a view, but they want to prove. But I had a lovely hours conversation. Yeah, I was going to ask you what... So positive What was lovely. it like working with Russell Brand? Well, Anna, who had put up a tweet in, in the first place, insisted that she was going to do my be my bag carrier when I went to his house and his studio. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was lovely. I mean, it was just so friendly. And you see, I'm, as you know, about the least celebrity conscious person of anybody on mm. this planet. So maybe I wasn't as starstruck as I should have been. <laughs> but maybe... <laughs> I sort of knew the name, but I didn't, really a, didn't know very much. Celebrities must love that, you know, that you kind of half don't know really who they are, what they do, and you I can just know. have a normal conversation about it. just sat there and it was absolutely lovely. Great. Whereas I went ages ago now on Woman's Hour. Yeah. And that was a journalist trying to catch me out. Really? From the get-go? From Yeah. The wow. first thing she said... She took a phrase out of one of my audios, completely out of context, which sounded, I mean, absolutely ridiculous out of context, yeah. and made me justify it. Do you want to say what the phrase is? It says, it comes in the middle of a long relaxation right. about how you can affect your birth. And then it says, and now choose how long you'd like your birth to be. Ah, okay. And she says, so she, out of the blue, she says, are you really telling women that they can choose how long their birth is? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, I would be better now. I mean, what I wish I'd said, and I didn't, yeah. was, well, I can either justify a remark which you've taken completely out of context, yeah. or we can have a, a conversation exploring hypnobirthing, which would you like? Oh, nice. Yeah, that would have been good. But I think you you'll answer something like that with a question. However, mm. I sort of got my own back because towards the end of a little interview, I suddenly realised this is going out live on the BBC. I can do a plug for my company and they can't cut it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> Had it been, you know, pre-recorded and edited, I, I couldn't have done that. But uh, it, it took me ages. I think we must have only had about a minute to go and I suddenly thought, hang on a minute. I can talk about I can say it. Yeah. <laughs> Hit the birthing book. I've got fridge freezer for sale as well. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. I put out a, um, I do solo podcasts in between the guests. I have like a guest and a solo one where I just talk about my own kind of feelings and, and people writing questions for me to answer at the end of the mm -hmm. show. And uh, someone said, oh, you should do a relaxation, like a sleep relaxation, because you've got a nice voice. You told me I should, didn't you? Yeah, you, you definitely need to do one. I've done one. Have we recorded it? We haven't recorded it yet, no. Are you sure? Yeah. But people say, um, oh, you've got a nice, uh, like for me, you've got a nice voice for relaxations. And I think, yes. no, I don't. I've got a really boring, but you've got a lovely voice. You've got, <laughs> well, you a, you've got a proper English accent. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I don't feel like I've got that. And I, uh, But I've sort of realised you don't really need to have a nice no. voice for relaxation no you just You're... speak very slowly and quietly with lots of pauses yeah and then just have nice music in the background we have yes but you wrote <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we had i mean one of our audios is for conception it's called relax and conceive yeah. A lot of things that don't happen in your life as you would like them to are because you're stressed. Well, we talked about mm. shooting a penalty shootout. And it's the same with conception. If you listen to that audio, some people, you know, regularly every night, some people will conceive who've had problems without IVF. If you listen to it just before you have the IVF, it makes it far more successful. I have a colleague who you mentioned before, Archie, who does hypnotherapy for conception. 
And he's absolutely brilliant. He really is. And it's an awful lot cheaper than going for IVF and an mm. awful lot less traumatic. <laughs> um, and we sell it off our website. But, of course, we sell very few because most people who look at our website are pregnant. So we don't really yeah. need a word, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> an audio about conceiving. That's um, true. <laughs> that leads on to a nice little question, actually. Um, for your business, your main clients are pregnant people. So once they've given birth... Is that it for them? Is that it for the... It's an extraordinary business. Yes, we develop quite a deep relationship, quite a personal relationship. Mm. And then they disappear into yeah, white blue disappear. yonder. And then but other it, people become pregnant and that's how it... You know, and they tell their going. friends. But it is, I hope within a year, we will have done far more things to support them afterwards. Yeah. There's a sort of breastfeeding online course in the pipeline and one about weaning and one about your baby's sleeping but any number oh, of course you can carry on with but that leads nicely back to the you know the aftercare hopefully they think it's... this course was brilliant which most of them do perhaps one of her other ones is good yeah and i'm sure they will be not because i have all that knowledge but i know people who i've worked with who do have that knowledge and we can do it together yeah and do some absolutely brilliant courses just like you said why don't we do a sleep one and i don't think it would have occurred to me but um, mind you, I don't think new mums have problems falling asleep. They're absolutely <laughs> shattered. <laughs> but I, it has to be said that the babies who are born using KG hypnobirthing very often sleep so much better than other babies. They're calm. And it's, it's a funny thing. When a woman's pregnant, she doesn't really think beyond the birth. Maybe it's how nature's programmed her. Mm. Our hormones are made. But you talk about the baby after birth, and yeah, she's sort of interested, but it's not real until she's got this baby in her yeah. arms. But you meet her a few years later, and, or a few months later, and she's oh, they're so calm. There's oh, a really? serenity, a poise about these children. I'm absolutely sure of that quality stays with these people all their lives on the other side of that there's when people say oh i was a late baby so i'm now late for everything and it's like if you've been told that you've yeah. you were a late baby from birth for your whole life you're just gonna subconsciously be it? late for everything in your and life in general in our society being late is inefficient and not very considerate isn't it no it's considered as a bad you know it's bad, bad. Thing. yeah and there's no such thing as a late baby. It's just that we have this artificial date which has been pinned onto this poor unfortunate child when it's only a few weeks after conception. Yeah. And everybody believes them. <laughs> a large chunk of the course is dispelling the myth of due dates. Yeah, due dates yeah. is a big one. And then more stress when it gets closer to the due date and baby's yes. not arrived, there's more stress. Which is just going to prolong. For 85% of women, that date will arrive and the baby hasn't. What advice would you give to someone that's pregnant now? They've been given a due date and it's getting close to that due date and their family are going, oh, so when's baby going to arrive? What advice well, would you kind of give them? As soon as we meet a pregnant woman, we say, just put the date two weeks later. They get so much stress. They get stress from themselves. I had one dad who had the due date as his screensaver. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's so constantly there. Put it two the weeks later. That's the important yeah. thing. And then all of our friends and relations, as you said, at 40 weeks and one day, they all call, yeah. text, message or whatever. So tell all your friends and relations two weeks later, because most of them don't remember. It's only, you know, Curtis say, and when's the baby due? Except their respective mothers have got it written on a calendar in the kitchen. Mm. But you can perfectly easily change it. You just say, we've had another scan. It's two weeks later. Because that first date came from a scan anyway. Everybody believes machines. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, everyone believes machines. Goodness <laughs> they me. They do, don't they? 
See, I know my stuff. You do. <laughs> I'm massively impressed, Dan. But honestly, thank you so much for um, coming. I was wondering, yeah, if if it might help people like who kind of suffer with anxiety, if we had uh, maybe you could end this show on a relaxation. So I'll put some some music that I've written uh, ah. <laughs> behind it, and uh, we could just do like a five minutes thing, and then I'll just end the episode there, which might be quite nice. If you're up for that, sounds wonderful. Yeah, let's cool. do it. Let's do that. I'll keep this super short so we can get on with the relaxation, but thank you for listening. And if you'd like to know more about Catherine, visit kghypnobirthing.com for more information. Please don't listen to the following relaxation while operating heavy machinery. So you, yes, you driving that forklift, get off it now. <laughs> Just one guy like driving a forklift. What me? <laughs> uh, I wrote the music to this too, so um, I hope you like it. Uh, I'll see you in the next one. Thank you for listening. Now sit back, relax and enjoy. The wave of relaxation. Make yourself comfortable and now simply allow your eyelids to close, the muscles of your eyes to soften so that you're completely comfortable. Now breathe in deeply and slowly at least three times. And as you breathe out, say to yourself, release. 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 And any sound you may hear, like voices or traffic, are all part of this wonderful, soothing experience as you simply Focus on my voice. Imagine there's a surging wave of pure serenity and calm above your head. And now imagine that that wave is going to wash down through your whole body, bringing calm, relaxation and peace with it. You feel it first moving through your head, down your forehead, releasing all the muscles, flowing over the bridge of your nose and around your eyelids and cheeks, which becomes smoother and calm. It surges through your lips, your jaw, your mouth. Now it moves on, bringing calm and softness through your neck and your shoulders. The wave of peace and calm moves on now down both of your arms, past your elbows, down your forearms and into your hands, where the wave laps finally at the very tips of your fingers, like the tide on a calm shore. Release. Release. Now the wave of calm and softness slowly surges through your chest and down through your stomach. It flows down your back and through your pelvis as every muscle grows naturally softer. And now the wave continues down both your legs, your thighs, bringing comfort and softness. Down past your knees, down your calves, into your feet where just as with your hands the wave laps down at the very tips of your toes like wavelets 
on a sunny beach, bringing complete peace and calm. Now release every single muscle in your whole body. Soothe and release your mind and your body are now in complete harmony in a state of very, very deep comfort and serenity. So just pause to enjoy this time for a while, breathing slowly and deeply until you hear my voice once more. now what a wonderful experience you've had, how very calm and happy you feel. The next time you do this, you'll become more and more tranquil and serene, because you know how much you enjoyed it, and understand the benefits it brings you. And now, open your eyes and just relax and wait until you fully adjust to the here and now. <laughs>